knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon, a unique blend of hunting, fishing, wildlife conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. DSC's Campfires is brought to you by DSC conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Taurus, award-winning pistols and revolvers. Mossberg, American built, American strong. Habit, our gear, your adventure. Uh, trailing the hunter's moon. No, it's not. <laughs> that used to be the TV show I did years and years ago. And particularly now we're doing the campfires, DSC campfires, which is a podcast we started now. We're hitting up to about our 200th of uh, episode at this point. And I've got Mr. Will Brantley with me. And Will, I've known about for a pretty good while through a mutual friend, Miles. Fednik. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's definitely not Fednik. I call him that, but that's, that's not his name. Venus. So <laughs> uh, I've had some opportunity to spend with that with you. And I learned a little bit about you through him more so than I think anything else other than reading some of the writing that you do. And, and uh, Miles and I spent several times together with the uh, Extreme Hunters competition. Okay. And he was a cameraman and, and also kind of co-host and I was always one of the judges on that. We did that for about 11, 12 years. Mm-hmm. And so we got to spend a lot of time in camp and, you know, after a while you get tired of visiting with ladies, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> and so we would, we would start telling hunting stories. They started telling me about Will Bradley and I go, oh my God, that sounds like a pretty good, interesting guy. I'd like to meet that guy sometime. So here we are. We're at a hunting camp in uh, oh, probably about 70, 80 miles from the Northwest Territories in Alberta, Canada on a bear hunt. Tell me how you got into the outdoors. Well, long story. I mean, that's a uh, with, with with kind of a lot of answers. So far as how I got into the outdoors, um, 
I guess I hit the ground running doing it. You know, when I was a kid, I, I'm uh, from Western Kentucky originally. Grew up uh, outside of Dawson Springs, Kentucky. Oh, okay. And, um, graduated with a class of 29, and um, that's cool. That was all I wanted to do as a kid was was hunting fish. We lived in uh, reclaimed coal mining country, so they did yes. a lot of strip mining yeah. and stuff. Uh, and those uh, those hills where they had reclaimed were just. Um, it's good wildlife habitat. It's full of strip mine lakes. So I got to fish, uh, you know, all spring and summer. And then in the in the fall and winter, the hunting was good. Deer hunted, turkey hunted, squirrel hunted. You you name it, I was I was into it. And, you know, as a kid, um, the one thing that I liked almost as much as the hunting itself was, um, was hearing the stories. My dad was a big quail hunter. And I can remember being a, a little bitty guy and seeing him come in, uh, him and his buddies, and they'd, they'd sit around the, uh, the the countertop there. They had a little bar area next to the kitchen. Mom would be in there cooking dinner, and uh, they'd have them a little whiskey, you know, and uh, <laughs> chew tobacco and smoke cigars, and they'd sit there and they would talk. And, I mean, I'm little enough, I don't remember what they were talking about, but I knew they were telling stories. And... I can remember we got a vehicle coming up the road, uh, we're so we might. It, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're in bear camp, ladies and gentlemen. People are driving by. There's all kinds of noises occasionally, so it is what it is. It is bear what it is. is. Yeah, yeah. So, but I can remember sitting there and and just being, even as a little kid, being kind of enraptured by by those stories. Yes. And I remember noticing that some of dad's buddies were just really gifted storytellers and i couldn't have told you as a little kid what it was that they did differently but they just knew how to command that audience and i was fascinated by that and um i started keeping a hunting journal when i was when i was young and just kind of taking notes and things and um and I, i just devoured outdoor magazines i devoured um hunting videos and stuff i remember seeing you on some of the first videos that I had, I saved my money and went to Walmart and bought them. You know the the old Monster Bucks oh, videos, yeah, the and, uh, and and the first time that I ever heard of anybody rattling antlers, you were giving a demonstration on one of the Monster Bucks videos, and uh, uh, just I was always interested in all of that, and never really had a concept that that was something that you could do for a living until I got a little bit older and I started seeing names repeated with magazine articles. Right, exactly. And, and I had, gosh, I always read Game and Fish. I read Outdoor Life. I read Field and Stream. And, um, you know, I, I I was putting those things together. My interest in, in, in hunting and fishing was always there. I never was a big sports guy. I ran a little cross country, ran a little track, but I was too little to play ball and, and wasn't, wasn't real good at it. But I was good at hunting and fishing. And meanwhile, um, I wasn't like top of the class good student, but I was a decent enough student, A, B's, C's. But English and writing, for whatever reason, always kind of came naturally came to me. A lot and, yes, and uh, you know, I wasn't necessarily interested in the mechanics or how to describe, how to diagram a sentence or something like that. But I could look at something and tell you uh, where a comma needed to be or why it needed to be written this way. And... Um, and so, yeah, those things kind of fell into place. Um, I decided when I went to college that I was going to major in journalism and mm-hmm. try to get a job as an outdoor writer, and mm-hmm. uh, it's worked out. It's so. worked out. <laughs> what was your first job? Well, my first my first job was uh, uh, a circuit of mowing lawns in town when I was uh, when I was sixteen. Yeah, yeah, and using that money to do the next thing. My next job after that was a greenskeeper on a golf course, and I hate golf. Um, I used to always tell the golfers, you know. 
maintaining a golf course would be a lot easier if we didn't have to deal with all these damn golfers <laughs> tearing up the good work that I've been out there doing. But it was a lot like, uh, you know, working on food plots and things. Got to spend a lot of time on right, tractors right. and stuff. And what I used to do, I used to keep a fishing rod on my golf cart and I'd go out. But the uh, fishing was fantastic. The fishing was good. And, and I remember thinking being out there when I was, you know, 17, thinking, you know, this is probably the closest I'm ever going to come to getting paid to go fishing. But, uh, uh, but after that, pretty quick, I was in college. I was majoring in journalism, and I got the opportunity to do an internship at Outdoor Life magazine. How cool. And, of course, their headquarters were in New York City. Yes. And um, and so I left, uh, you know, like I said, grew up in the town of St. Charles, Kentucky, which is just outside of Dawson Springs. Dawson Springs was a big town. It was 2,500 people. St. Charles was 400 people. <laughs> and uh, my dad and I actually got on a Greyhound bus in Madisonville, Kentucky, and had all my luggage and stuff. And we rode that bus, changed, you know, cars several times, and went all the way up to New York. And he dropped me off at a hotel on Broadway and uh, said, watch Top Knot. Yeah. And he left. Yeah, he left. And I was there for the next three months uh, at age 19. And you grew up fast, but I yes. learned a whole lot about the way magazines work and um, how to write a query letter, you know, how to look at a magazine and understand that different editors were in charge of different sections. But you couldn't just write a story and turn it in. You kind of had to tailor your assignments to the section that the editors needed in the magazine. And that really gave me a leg up. I came home after that. Um, the editors at Outdoor Life were really cool because once I found out that I wanted to be a writer more so than an in-the-office editor, um, they let me work on a lot of stories, and then they paid me as any other freelancer when I got ready to leave. So oh, I made a lot cool. more money off yes. those freelance stories than I did with my with my internship payment, which was like about a 1000 bucks, and it yeah. wouldn't cover a week's worth of cheeseburgers, <laughs> you know, up in New York. But... Um, you know, I was I was fortunate. My parents, uh, you know, covered my way up there and, and paid for my housing for the summer. And I, and I learned a lot. Came home, um, started doing an outdoor column for the Murray State News, where I went to college, and for the Dawson Springs Progress, which was our local hometown newspaper. Did that for a few years and then graduated school, worked on staff at a couple of different magazines, fishing magazine, um, worked at Ducks Unlimited for a couple of years. Wife and I lived in Memphis for that. And then... Um, we left there. I freelanced full-time for several years. I worked for um, Realtree Camouflage as their web editor, as a, as a freelance web editor. And, you know, Realtree was one of those brands that, when I was a kid, they were just iconic. I mean, I always... Um, you know, was, was fascinated by that. And again, like that's where I, I saw you on video for the first time. And, and, uh, and so it was really cool to work for them. Um, stepped away from that for a few years to be a full-time uh, editor with Field and Stream. The, I was the hunting editor. Uh, and then gainful employment and HR meetings and all of that. Like, you know, it definitely had its, the, the monthly paycheck. Had right, perks. Right. But I, again, stepped away from that to become a, a freelancer again. I'm still a hunting editor of Field and Stream, but I'm actually the editor of Realtree.com again. Good, um, good. I've, I've really enjoyed working with Realtree. They've been a great brand all these years, been really good to me. And, you know, and I, it's just been, I've been fortunate to be able to work it out in, in such a way where I'm able to work for Field and Stream and see my work there able to work for Realtree and also able to work for Peterson Sunning. I know you, uh, you know, David Draper's in camp this, this week, yeah. um, you know, worked with David for years. There was a time when he was a freelancer and freelancing for me at Field and Stream. And, you know, that's one of the beauties of this business is you make friends and as, as people grow in the business and go to different places, uh, you lean on your friends and your you contacts do. and you stuff to, to, you know, to, to make a living. And, uh, and you end up in 
cool places like this, bear hunting and uh, and and standing here doing a podcast with guys like you that uh, you know were your heroes growing up. So it's pretty cool. One of the interesting that you mentioned golf courses. I've been on a golf course twice in my life. I grew up out in the country. My dad ran coon hounds. We followed a set of coon hounds across the golf course yeah. one time. <laughs> the second time, I was with Realtree, and I used to do a lot of stuff with Bill and David. Yeah. And, and when Michael first came in, Michael Waddell first mm-hmm. came in the industry, Michael a lot of times was my cameraman, so I got to spend a lot of time with him. But we were up on an Indian reservation, and the only place where there was any green is where they were playing golf. Yeah. Everything else is covered with snow. So that yep. was the second time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, golf courses are good places to see a lot of critters. So. You know, they, they really are. They, 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 and, and, and sometimes that's two-legged critters, and sometimes it's four-legged yeah. critters as well, too. <laughs> Real tree, I, I got to know Bill so well over the years, and David Blanton, and we spent a lot of time mm-hmm. down in Texas and all that kind of place, and hunted with them all all over the dead gum country for a while and years ago through uh just about time uh when peterson's hunting got bought the first time up mm-hmm. when pgs publications all those came together we did a, a real free magazine for a short period mm-hmm. of time you know, like, like quarterly or an annual and i used to be the editor of that years oh, cool. ago so uh, but i got to spend so much time with those guys and still think the world of them i don't get a chance to spend much time with yeah. them anymore unfortunately but uh great great company great people and one of these days, I'll tell you some interesting stories about everybody there. <laughs> we <laughs> won't do good. it here. We don't need to share those kind of things. But no, seriously, I've great, great people. As the hunting editor of uh, Field and Stream, what are some of your favorite things that you do there? Well, you know, I mean, I, I've been fortunate to to get to travel uh, to a lot of cool places, right. just like this Alberta Bear Camp. Um, I've I've been, uh, you know, to most of the Canadian provinces, I guess, and, and got to hunt a lot of waterfowl and hunted bears a few times and, and shot a moose and um, been to New Zealand and Argentina and uh, all over the States. And I, I've, you know, hunted mule deer and elk and antelope. And I, I, I love all of that. Um, <laughs> if you ask me at the end of the day what I like the best, um, I'm still, you know, uh, live in Kentucky. I, I, I love hunting at home. Um, yeah. I love, uh, uh, I love spring turkey hunting the most. That is my absolute favorite. Um, and uh, my my wife and and son they're they're both big hunters too. They they love to go with me and and, and they love turkey hunting as well. But they're not as crazy about it as I am. Both of them would rather deer hunt. And so they you know by the end of the spring they're like, okay, dad, like we've we've had enough turkey yeah. hunting. But but that that is my favorite. Um, I also love to bow hunt whitetails. And I and I love the I've come to really enjoy the the management part of of whitetail hunting. Right. We uh, you know I love doing the food plots and we do prescribed fires and. And all of that. And then here within the last, uh, I guess, about four years ago, I actually got my outfitting license. Oh, you and, did? Uh, that's, yeah. That's and right. so I remember you saying something we, about that. Uh, we, we do outfit a few deer hunters in, in Kentucky every fall. We don't do a lot of them. We usually do kind of media camps, sort of right. sort of what, uh, what Linda Powell with Mossberg and, uh, you know, and the folks at Swarovski and, and Hornady have right. got us here doing. Um, so we do a few of those, and we do actually some... Um, some media squirrel hunts so uh so we you know it's it's a it's a good uh it's kind of a good little side hustle and and a, and a break from uh you know writing copy and stuff but but yeah i i, I still i still have the fire and passion to do it all you know um i'm i'm fairly young but i've also been doing this since i was 19 too. Yes. so 
I've been, you know, been in the business a little over 20 years and, uh, you know, I, I, I still love to hunt. So. Oh, gosh, yes. That's why I am. I've been in the business a little bit longer than yep. you have kind of thing. But to me, I, I still get excited about the hunt, being with different people. Mm-hmm. And I, I love people. I, I was telling David and I were talking after we got finished visiting a while ago. And I said, I used to counsel students that coming out of Texas A&M in walleye. And they come to me and I said, well, why, why, why do you want to be a, why do you want to be in wildlife? They go, because I don't like people. And I go, sir, and there'd be nobody there. I said, "Uh, sir, come here. I said, you need to go find this guy or this lady, another major, because wildlife is 95% people. Yeah. You know, then the 5% is is the animal side of things. On the management side of things, that is so much fun. We used to, Mm -hmm. I used to have a place that uh, I helped for several years, we called it Game Trails, and it was mm-hmm. right where the trade water uh, runs into the uh, Ohio River in Crittenden mm-hmm. and in Union mm-hmm. County. And we did a lot of management work. So you know on right that. where Dawson Springs is. Yeah, I know so, yeah. exactly where <laughs> Dawson Springs is is where I was going with all that. And that was a phenomenal place yep. in uh, in terms of both turkeys, but also in terms of deer. And that's basically what we did there, too. Uh, we did a lot of media-type mm-hmm. hunts. I was with the Thompson Center at the mm-hmm. time. and uh, But we did a lot of the, the Hornady guys coming out, Hornady riders, uh, a couple of others that we dealt with with as well too but that was so much fun too and not only being there but getting to learn those guys a little bit learn more about them spend time with them and really get to know them yeah and i I learned something a long long time ago you can spend two or three days hunting camp with somebody and learn a whole lot more about that individual than you can if you spent six months with them someplace in an office yeah Yeah. and you can tell when things are going good when things are going bad how they react and i tend to gravitate to those folks who who know how to deal with situations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, I missed it. Okay, I missed it. Yeah, no, yep, it happens. It happens yeah. kind of thing. You know, not just well on that or somebody's not seeing anything and, and uh, you know, they get a little nervous and that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's an interesting place to learn and you don't get a whole lot of sleep. Yeah. And that's the other thing. You learn a lot about people when they're tired. Yep. Yep. And so with this group, it's been, God, we've got the most fantastic <laughs> group in camp here that we could ever have as far as I'm concerned. Whitetail deer, bow hunt. When's your favorite time to bow hunt? Whenever the season's over? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, if you would have asked me that 10 years ago, I would have told you the first week in September. Yeah. Um, when our season opens in Kentucky, right. it's always yeah. the first yeah, Saturday yeah, in September. Right. Um, I, I, I've killed most of my best bucks with a bow in in early september and michelle my wife has killed a couple of nice ones in september um i don't tend to like it as much now because even though it is a really good time to to kill a good deer you know your your activity is limited to about that last 20 minutes of right the day. exactly most of your shots are almost in the dark you know the yep. last few minutes of legal light and uh you know and it's hot and the bugs are out and so <laughs> i i guess i kind of got my fill of kentucky hunting in september and so that's actually when we do a lot of our guiding because a lot of folks want to come to kentucky oh, yeah. and, and try and there, to get a and there's a chance to kill yeah yes, kill a yes, bucks, there, there, exactly. and so yeah. um I, i've kind of i've kind of graduated now or not graduated but just sort of evolved like i i really love um you know halloween through you know the first two weeks of november right up after the gun season comes in you know what's interesting is um if you would have asked me that a few years ago i would have told you the very first week of november was my favorite but now the last few seasons i don't know if it's just been a weather thing or or what but i've definitely seen a shift in our rut you know um Years ago, I always kind of said October 28th was kind of when things sort of clicked in Western Kentucky. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's now more like November 5th is when you start seeing that really good pre-rut activity. And then actually some of our best rut activity the last few years 
uh, has been around Thanksgiving. And, um, and so I killed a really good deer last year, uh, right before Thanksgiving. And, um, you know, and he was in Tennessee, but, uh, but the, but the point that I'm making there is, you know, that, that time frame i love that that pre-rut when the bucks are really seeking and cruising and it's going to be sometime during the, that first two weeks in november and it's just not a better time to be in a tree with a bow and <laughs> looking around and hearing stuff and i love to be up in the hardwoods you know on a, oh, on yeah. a pinch point doing that so yeah you're yep. coming through the, uh, yep. through the leaves so. kind of thing oh my gosh absolutely yeah when we hunted there i had one little spot is very close to a bridge that came out of uh, sturgis kentucky hidden hidden south essentially and that area right through there, you'd very seldom see any deer in there, other mm -hmm. few does, but as that rut started picking up, you would pick up unbelievable number of deer in yep. there. And in my mind, there is a the, the photograph, if you will, of this one buck that I hunted. He was about a 180 net, typical 10 point, long, long time, massive wide and all this kind of stuff. Sitting there waiting for him to come by, and sure enough, here he comes. He comes running in, and his steam's coming off his back. He's backlit, and I mean, he's blowing yeah. smoke out of his deals. And the cameraman is with me at the time, and he goes, Don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. <laughs> I can't not on, don't shoot. I'm looking, Oh my God, this is a deer of a lifetime. Don't shoot, don't shoot. This goes on for about 90 seconds. Finally, the deer runs away. Mm -hmm. He, and the whole time he said, I said, you get him? No, I didn't get him. Didn't get him. Said, How in the world can you not got the deer? He's, he was right there. So then about a month later, Tom Miranda used to edit our, our, mm -hmm. our show for us that we're doing for Thompson Center. He calls me and he goes, Larry, he said, what in the blankety blank is the matter with you? And I said, I, I don't know. What are you talking about? And he said, you, you don't know? And I said, no. What did I do? And he said, why didn't you kill that deer? And I go, what deer? He, he said that one, there was just steam coming off of that 180 class deer. And I said, we didn't have him on camera. How do you know about it? He said, no. He said, we got 90 seconds of that deer on camera. <laughs> I wanted to go find that cameraman and whip him after that. I actually ended up taking that deer uh, two years later. He, oh, cool. he, he was still a, a 180, but he'd added a couple little kickers yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And shot him in a very similar circumstance. That area of Kentucky... All that area right there mm -hmm. is just phenomenal when it comes to walleye. Because yeah. the turkeys there were huge as well, yeah. too. And yeah. Of course, the white-tailed deer are phenomenal there as well, too. Interesting thing about the rut, we've, we've seen the same thing kind of happen over the last several years. You know, the reason the rut occurs when it does, where it does, so that seven and a half months later, those fawns are mm -hmm. born at the most opportune time nutritionally. And what we've done over the years is from, went from a native situation to where we've got all the agriculture and yeah. we've got guys feeding. Well, now there is no longer that necessity for that fawn to be born in a certain time. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes because of that, that rut spread out a little bit farther. But it's yeah. also shifted the time a little bit yeah. as well, too. Uh, you think that goes along, kind of coincides with planting dates and things? So yes. That's interesting. Yes. A lot of times it does. Um, and... And again, it, it's Mother Nature adapts pretty quickly a lot yeah. of times in those kind of situations. But to me, there's, you know, you, you talk about liking to hunt home country. To me, there's no finer place to hunt, and I've been fortunate to hunt a lot of different places, than that second week of December in the cactus and mesquite country of South Texas, when I take those rattling horns hit together and you got a buck coming in from this way and this yeah. way, he comes in, his eyes are bugged, he's drooling, you yeah. know, and he, oh my God, it's just phenomenal. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I haven't, uh, I, I did kill a, a good deer in South Texas a few years ago, um, trying to remember what county we were in. Um, what were you? They, it was in kind of down in the in that golden triangle okay, area, so um, like the solid La Perla. Yeah. So, oh, yep. On the okay, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, killed a really good buck down there, and it was um, we were there in November, 
um, kind of kind of mid November, and it was definitely pre rut. I mean, yeah. they were still pretty much on a on a feeding pattern. Yeah. But it was it was a lot of fun. But now I do hunt up. You know, Miles and I um, hunt on a place in uh, in kind of west center um, east central Texas, and exactly. uh, and and man, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Now that rut timing there is maybe a week or so later than we have it in Kentucky, but it's still pretty similar. It's pretty close. And, yeah. uh, uh, there's some there's some good deer there. there like, that I, I love Texas. That so. is that's a good area. Years ago, when before you, Miles got the lease, he called me and he, mm-hmm. said, he said, "I found the lease up here." He said, uh, "He told me where it was." He said, "What do you think about it?" And I said, "I knew a couple ranches, like two ranches down yeah. from it. Those, I, I knew it was there on those ranches, yeah. so I couldn't imagine it being yeah. that much different." So I told him, "Man, if you can get it, you ought to get it." Yeah. I said, "Because even if it doesn't have the quality deer that you're looking for right now." In a couple of years, it could it could have just yeah. by allowing those deer to get some age on them, kind of thing. And that is a fantastic hunting yeah. year too, yeah. for sure, for sure. How much fishing do you do <sighs> every day that I can? <laughs> yeah, we do. You know, so um, uh, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the Kentucky Lake area, but um, my wife and I actually, um, well, our hunting camp, and we're we're in the process of moving right now, so we've been living in that hunting camp for about a year. Um, but it's just a metal shop house and it's, uh, sits in the middle of our farm and it's, it's actually on a peninsula out in Kentucky Lake. So it's got a bay on one side of it oh my and the main lake on the other side. And we've got two minutes to a boat launch on, on either side. And, uh, my, my son loves to fish. And so pretty much every day, I mean, from, uh, you know, from about March to July, um, we're, we're hooking up and going out in the afternoon any day that the, that the oh wind my goodness. That's so fantastic. the, uh, you know, we're up here in bear camp right now, the bluegill and the shell crackers are biting pretty good at home. <laughs> um, we were, uh, you know, getting into the catfish and stuff. And then we do, um, you know, in June, our hand fishing season opens. So we do a lot of hand grabbing for big really? flatheads and stuff and really like that. Had Miles down to do that a few years ago. And, uh, you know, he's a pasty mountain skin getting out there. He gets yeah. all sunburned and stuff. And, uh, oh, man, I, you know, like he, he thinks it's a lot of fun to, to walk me into the ground whenever we're elk hunting because he knows I live at sea level. And, uh so it's a little bit reverse the, in this the, situation. The tables were turned a little bit. I'm like, get in there and get that catfish. There's nothing to be scared of. He's just going to bite your hand. So, <laughs> but it was fun. He 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 did just fine. You know, um, called called a good good. Yeah, I can't him. imagine him not so. knowing what kind of an outdoors person he is. Kind of thing. Oh my goodness. Well, you're doing a lot of editing these days too, aren't you? I do. I do. So we, um, you know, when I went full time freelance again, my wife and I kind of put together a just a you know an llc where we house all of our business including the outfitting stuff but um for the for all the writing that i do i mean really most of my week-to-week income is is on editing and so um you know again like we we sort of orchestrate all the content for realtree's website right um and i write some of that but i you know assign and plan and and edit you know all of that right and uh, you know along with folks that work with me on on that contract and then um we've got a uh, we've got an editing gig with the archery trade association oh, cool yeah. we edit all the content for their websites um bow hunters united and archery 360 and um and so you know i've had some book editing projects and stuff here and there and so um yeah i mean it's uh 
it's, it's not as much fun as, as going to bear camp and writing a story out of it. But, um, you know, it beats hauling two by fours. So. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does. I tell people I grew up hauling hay, you know, when they had the square button, oh, yeah. you know, rectangular yeah. bells kind yeah. of thing. That and digging post holes with an old drop auger and, in rocky ground or mm-hmm. in sandstone and all that kind of stuff. And I, it, it, it taught me a great work, work ethic. Mm, that's for sure. And I learned a long time ago that I will never say that I won't ever do something again. Yeah. Because sometimes nature has a way of pushing you back into those things. But I'm glad I don't have to do it. Yeah. But I would if I need to, kind of thing. So, <laughs> where do you see yourself going in the next few years? Is this something you're going to continue doing the rest of your life? Do you well, need- I hope so, because I don't know how to do anything else other than, you know, maybe mow greens on a golf course. So I can, you know, run a tractor pretty well, use post well, we need diggers. So. Doing that as far but as I'm uh, no, I mean, um, with any luck, yeah, I hope to be doing this until I retire. And the uh, the I, I guess there is a downside of being a freelance outdoor writer. It's that you never really retire. No, um, I you can know. tell you that from a, from a fact. <laughs> there, there might be, uh, you know, my my son actually, like I say, he's he's eight years old. He'll be nine next month. And oh, as little cool. kids do, oh he uh, you know he, he asks kind of random deep questions, yes. you know. And he asked me the other day. He said, "Daddy," he said, "If you had one wish." what would it be and i said you know honestly buddy uh if i could just keep maintaining this happy life that we're that we're living right now that's what it would be because yeah. we've we've got it we've got it pretty damn good yes sir. So. we do we do somebody wants to get in touch with you has what's the best way so they've got a book project maybe they were working yeah. on, or maybe it's somebody that's uh, interested in in publication kind of thing where you can serve as an yeah, editor or I mean, to invite you on a hunt yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would be so, the best way to do so, so um our our company is just called brantley outdoors gotcha. um yes, we, we just sort of thought of it off the cuff i was sitting there with my accountant she's like well we need to start an llc what do you want to call it and might should have thought of something a little more creative but it works and so um will at brantleyoutdoors.com is my email address and that's how i do most of my communication um i'm on facebook i've got a public profile it's not a you know um not a public figure profile you can send me a friend request i have a lot of people reach out to me with assignments and stuff and right um you know it's just the way of the world that's how we communicate so it is that that is today you know i'm pretty easy to find so well, I want to tell you how much I truly appreciate you being with us here around the campfire today. And I can't wait to spend a little bit more time around some real campfires here for this time. Yep, over yep I so. hope so. I hope so. It's been well, a lot of fun. Thank so, you yep, so yep, very yep, much. Thank you. So. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much, Will. Ladies and gentlemen, please join us right back here around the campfire next week. DSC's Campfires has also been brought to you by the Crown Bar in the Grange and Round Top, Texas, Texas Wildlife Association. Double Nickel Taxidermy, H3 White Till Solutions, and Burnham Brothers Game Calls.